Well, we welcome him back. He was uh, on holidays last week, uh, were you, Scotty Sharp, and having a ball down in the down in the snow? Yeah, well, sort of, sort of. Some injuries occurred, not to me, uh, but to a, a child in my care, so I had to look after that. Some snow dollars ran through my fingers. Oh, all right, just like that. So he's back. you got to work for your money again. Made another hour of uh, gardening tour back today, so hopefully some nice calls coming through. Yeah, that'd be fantastic. Love to answer people's questions about the garden, but uh, otherwise we might talk about some the uh, agaves at the moment they're uh, out and flowering not good news for anyone who's uh, got that happening in their garden uh, bindi and clover spraying it's a great time to do it at the moment and wisteria are about to come out into flower in spring gardening tour back continuing with scotty sharp and scotty i can feel there is a vibe but we are looking at fruit and veggies today i just know it that's good it's it's springs in the air uh, i think dennis wants to talk about something a little bit different so uh, might get the question from dennis g'day dennis brussels sprouts what's happening Yes, mate. I was just wondering, how do you grow them? Do you grow on a vine or grow them underground? Or I'm, I'm, I'm legally blind. So I'm just going to try and fill about and... Yeah, look, and I, Dennis, I'm glad you love the Brussels sprout because I do too. I think it's um, one of the tastiest little things out there. But unfortunately, mate, you're just you're a little bit too late now. Um, as we are coming into spring and it's starting to warm up, they are yeah. unfortunately a, a winter plant. So yeah. really you need to put yourself on hold, um, you know, around until March, April next year, and yeah. uh, then you can grow it. Uh, what happens is you plant it, it's in the ground, you just plant it in the ground, and it sort of comes up with this funny stalk. And then all the little Brussels sprouts come off on the stalk, and you probably get about, or you know, sort of 12 or 14 um, of the sprouts on each stalk. And it takes about 10 weeks um, from planting um, for them to harvest, for you to harvest them. So it's you yep. know it's quite a quite a period of time, but you really can't plant them uh, you know in these warmer months now. You have to wait until uh, March or April again next year. Okay, all right. Can, can you grow them in a pot? Yeah, mate. Look, you, you certainly can. You certainly can. You probably need a you know fairly decent sized pot for each plant because they might get a bit top heavy as well. Uh, but yep. you can certainly, uh, you know, grow them uh, in the full sun. So if you've got a nice veranda, a nice sunny spot on the veranda, you can get them there. Um, but look, you can keep them, you can grow them in a pot. Uh, nothing wrong with doing that. Uh, you have to, uh, you know, treat them. They're a bit like a cabbage or a cauliflower in that you have to just uh, keep on top of, uh, you know, any fungal disease that they might get. And they also can get the, you know, the moth uh, and yep. the little caterpillars that start to do a bit of damage. So you need to dust them regularly as well uh, and uh, just try and keep that, that those fungal seeds off them. And that's why I always say don't uh, plant them until uh, March or April when the uh, humidity has gone. Okay, mate. Thank okay. you very much for that. Good luck with it, Dennis. Give us a call back uh, next year if you need to, and we'll uh, help you out with them again. All right, appreciate that, Dennis. G'day, Alan at Glen Oak. Uh, you've got a question for Scotty. Uh, daffodils and stone fruit trees today. What's happening, Alan? Yes, g'day, guys. Um, yeah, my daffodils, unfortunately, are starting to come to an end, and uh, I'd like to know what uh, what to feed them to uh, for the bulbs, and also should I cut the stems off of the old dead flowers? Yeah, look, Alan, you're doing all the right things. Uh, you can feed now to uh, try and feed the, the bulb up as well. You can cut the flower stem if you want to, but don't go and, you know, even if the leaves are starting to die back, don't cut those off. Leave them alone because it's at this period of time, once the flowering's finished, it's actually now going, transferring the energy back into the bulb. So yeah, you can yeah. give it a, a little feed if you want to. Um, you can cut the flower stems off, but 
don't go touching the rest of the plant sure. until they've so sort of gone right back yeah and they're you know sort of almost dead on the ground that's that's when you can go and give it a bit of a, a yeah. tidy up and then lift them again if you want to okay. uh, but uh, daffodils are pretty uh, you know easy plants to, to just leave in the ground and they'll come back up for you sure I mean the, the only thing I would say is uh, you know, our forecasts are for, uh, you know, very wet times ahead. Um, so, you know, you might not want to be leaving bulbs in the ground if we're going to, you know, have continually uh, soggy and, mo- and moist conditions for the next yeah, three or four I've, months. I've actually got these in pots, so hopefully they'll be okay that way. Yeah, look, and you can certainly just leave, uh, you know, them in the pots. You can actually just move the pots if you want to and put them under the house or into the garage. Right. Uh, keep, keep them nice and dry. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, just feed them um, with some bulb food, let them be, and uh, next year you'll have some beautiful daffodils again. Sounds good. Now I've got uh, apricots and peaches that, uh, fortunately, there's still some bees around that uh, pollinated the flowers. Very good. Uh, so I've got tiny little fruit there now. Um, should I feed, or what should I what should I do for that fruit developing now? Uh, look, I'm always a, a little bit wary of you know going and dumping a whole lot of food on a plant when it's uh, it's got its fruiting and fla- in its fruiting and flowering stage because if the plant gets stressed for any reason, it's just going to dump that fruit. So at this point in time, I would just generally say uh, just keep on watering. If you wanted to, uh, you could use a liquid fertilizer, nice and safe. It's not going to overload the plant for you Um, and the other thing you could use is some sulfate of potash as well it just promotes and helps the fruiting and flowering of the plant makes them stronger but if you're using a a product like flourish uh, which has uh, a fruiting and flowering um, sort of variant of it uh, it's got a lot of potash in it so it might just be a safe thing to do you just mix it up in the watering can and start watering it around the plant sure no worries brilliant thank you very much Okay, thanks very much, Alan. Cheers. Yeah, appreciate it. And uh, we'll just continue. I told you it was a fruit and veggie theme today, didn't I? Just oh, uh, Did you have some forewarning about this? N- you, none at all. Have you organised these people to ring up and work me hard? Absolutely. G'day, Fred. You're at Western. Also apricot trees, nectarines. But they're all flowering with no fruit, Fred. Well, they're starting to blossom out now, Scott, yes. and I just wondered uh, what I should do. I've heard different. I'm a, I'm, I'm a city guard. I've only moved up here a couple of years ago, and I'm just experimenting, really. Yep, that, that, uh, I, yeah, I put pick- them in about two and a half year ago. They flowered last year, but only got one little necklace on it, and all the blossoms fell off the other two tree, the necklace tree, and the apricot tree. So, what should I do now? They're starting to blossom. They're only coming out now from small, small buds on them. Yeah, okie doke. Now, what what I would be doing is, just as we were talking to Alan before, just starting to use some liquid fertiliser on there. You can go and get some sulphate of potash as well and start using that uh, in the ground. Now, sulphate of potash doesn't sort of last in the ground. It washes through over time. So it's something you actually use quite regularly. So, for instance, with a nectarine and apricot tree, you'd probably start using uh, your sulphate of potash back in, I'm trying to do the months of the year here, back in May. Uh, and start getting that into the soil then. No harm in doing it now. It's only going to be helpful for you now. So that's sulphate of potash and any other sort of liquid fertiliser. You don't want to overload uh, with, you know, manures or any sort of other, you know, uh, feed like that that's just going to be a little bit too strong for the plant. Uh, Mate, what what, uh, those nectarines and apricot trees, did you get uh, pollinating, uh, you know, little friends for it? Is that something you did or...? Self-pollinating. Okay, you've got the self-pollinators. Excellent. Okay, um, so look, the bees hopefully will be out there doing their uh, doing their job for you. 
Um, but look, I would just uh, keep on using that uh, sulfate of potash and some liquid fertiliser uh, just to make them a little bit healthy. Good times, great music and gardening talk. Back with our gardening guru, Scotty Sharp, back with a very light wallet after spending it all down in the snow. Uh, but he's here answering your questions. We'll make him work hard for it. 49216216. Uh, g'day, Helen, uh, there at Barnsley. What's going on with your chocos? What's your question today? <laughs> when my chocos are on my, my fruit bowl on the table, they grow beautifully. As soon as I put them into dirt, they die. What am I doing wrong? I don't know. That's that's a really weird and wonderful question you've come up. You are making me work for my, my dollars here today. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's This is the second time I've done it because I had all these turcos that had gone, like, growing crazy, just sitting in a bucket. Yes. Uh, and then as soon as I go to bury, I sort of like only bury half of them and then try and weave the, like the, the little stem that's coming off and up through my green... Stuff so that they all grow up on this vine thing. Yeah, yeah. So but every wh- time I add a bit of dirt, they die. So, I, I, so where are they actually shooting from? Are they? Is it the seed of the choco, you know, fruit, or is it just coming from a, a shoot that you know, or a bit of the leaf oh, no, and stem? No, it's coming from the actual choco. Like I mean, a whole choco. It's coming, growing out the top. Right. Okay. Okay. Look, I, I think you might be best to. Um, Actually, I'm just thinking you'd probably be best to try and harvest the seed out of the choco rather than letting oh, it right do in. that. Yeah, so letting it dry out and then getting the seed from actually inside the plant. Oh, okay. Yeah, because they should be able to, you know, they'll just grow anywhere. Oh. Um, the only thing they really do like, they don't like a you know a wet and soggy position. They like to be in a, in a well-drained position. So I was wondering yeah. if, if you might be putting it in, you know, to too much water too or something. Much. No. Oh, right. That might be where I was going wrong because I'm thinking, well, maybe they're not getting enough water because when they're, when they're sitting on my fruit bowl in the middle of my dining room table, they're growing something beautiful yeah, uh, look, I, I think I'd be more inclined to, you know, try and actually just get the get seed, the seed yeah, the seed it. out and dry it and use it that way, uh, okay. rather than doing the, you know, the whole holus bolus thing and thinking, oh, it's going to grow that way. It's probably just in in a way, it's it's survival mechanism, um, you know, just trying to survive. And once it goes into the ground, for some reason, it's just unable to, yeah. you know, keep on going. Doesn't or, like the climatise. Yeah, and and again, <laughs> a nice well drained position for chocos, but otherwise, uh, you know, just make sure you've got a big space or a nice big shed because they'll just run and take over yeah i know i've seen them yeah so uh, i just don't know i just kill them (laughs) um yeah look and what do you use them for oh i make pickles Oh, Choco Pickles. That sounds very nice. I, I remember it was we went and talk about the, the fast food, uh, you know, hamburger joint that used to use them in their apple pies. I don't know if that's true or not. I've uh, never tried that. Uh, I, mean, I don't think it, I would anyhow. I'd rather the old apple. Yeah, apple I, I think so. I, I always heard that it was just the, sort of the uh, the cheap way to do it and they would pack it out that way with lots of yeah. sugar. So. I've heard that too. Yeah. Okay, well, okay. urban myths aside, thanks for the call, Helen. Yeah, appreciate it. Good luck with all of that. And, uh, Scotty, before we dip out of this one on the Chocos for a moment, fun fun fact for you. Yes. Um, Kev, who does the drive show, you may have heard of him, Kev Galloway. Oh, yeah, I have. Always hated Chocos, but he takes pride in place of knowing that uh, on our Facebook page every day we have we put up topics for discussion, right? And he threw up um, the Choco, uh, <laughs> say, <laughs> he said, yeah, is this the worst vegetable ever, blah, blah, blah. Yes. It actually, to this day, is five years on, is still the highest commented and post we've ever put up. 
fifty thousand people got involved in that discussion. Oh, and, and how did it uh, weigh up? You know, was it fifty fifty either way or um, five years on? He's still going through those comments. Right. <laughs> he's still counting. <laughs> Good times, great music, and gardening talk back this afternoon to any RFM. Scotty Sharp is here. I told you we'd make you work today, and you're not getting out of this alive by the sound of it. No. Look, Lots of calls coming through. Fingers down to the bone. G'day, Deb at Nelson Plains. So how can we help you this afternoon? God, I have a 40-metre zucchini hedge. I planted 12 months ago. When I put them in, they were probably about a metre, 1,200 high. Yes. I've been pruning, um, but what I'm finding now with all the new growth, it's fantastic, but the bottom six to 900 or 750 is almost bare. I've got new growth coming through the bottom. But I heard you talk the other day about um, your lily pulleys and you cut them right back so that, that you would have a nice stitch for Christmas. Should I be doing that with the fatinia as well? Look, I, I don't think it, you have to be as radical as I was the other week. I can assure right. you my backyard's still very bare at the moment. Uh, my trees uh, were quite tall. You know, they were like four to five metres tall. They were fully grown lily pillies. They just needed to be absolutely hammered. So uh, we, the old chainsaw lop, tree loppers got, you know, came out and off they went with it. With, yeah. a, with a younger plant like yours, I, I wouldn't be quite as radical. I, I think the, the great thing, uh, or the, the main thing when you're uh, getting a hedge up and running, especially a fatinia hedge, is that you sort of nibble away at it for a while. And that's that's my way of thinking about it. You just do you don't let it sort of shoot up to the height you want and then cut it because you'll just have one main leader going up there. What I like to do when I'm doing a hedge like that is I prune it, you know, regularly, um, you know, and fairly often. Uh, so you just take little nibbles out of it, you know, every couple of weeks. And what that does, it, it creates growth points. So you get this exponential and really thick growth coming up. It might look, you know, it might almost be counterintuitive, uh, you know, in the first few times you're doing it because you think, oh, I'm just cutting this plant back. I'm not letting it grow. But you're creating a lot more growth points. So when you eventually let it go, it grows up in a really big, thick sort of bush rather than just one single leader going up there. Got it. Yeah, no, I've been doing that. I was yep. just curious because I was I had that in mind. I thought because I've got loads of other hedges, you know, Maria, which but yes. the two I've never worked with. So that's that's different. Just one last question before I go. Yep. How do you tell when a liquid amber is dead or dying? Oh, look, with that you just need to you know go up. How big's the plant for starters <laughs> before I? Oh, could... at, at least twelve meters high. Oh, okay. Look. Uh, I'd just wait, <laughs> but you know it's obviously deciduous. It's uh, lost its leaves at the moment. Um, I'll just keep on waiting now. Uh, you know, if it hasn't, uh, you know, come good by October, uh, I'd get an arborist out to have have a closer look at that. Um, oh. Yeah, but look, as far as your fatinia hedge goes, you're doing the right things. It, it might be at the moment you just try and keep it at a certain height and let the bottom catch back up for you. Yeah. Yeah, yes. and look, they do love uh, cow manure, so uh, now's oh. the time to give it a good feed of cow manure. It will plenty of that. Yeah, got plenty of that. Plenty of it. <laughs> <laughs> You'll just have to park a cow nearby and let it do its oh, business. Well, I, I've got those. I've got those. So I'm actually using their liquid fertiliser. Let me tell you, it's the best stuff. <laughs> oh, very good. <laughs>
Okay, thank you very much. All right, Deb. Look, Scotty, it sounds like she's pretty much on top of things, really. Yeah. The look, most part. Actually, you know, the other thing with uh, Fatinia's mark is yeah. that those nasty grasshoppers, they love them. For some reason, they just come in and they, they hammer them away. Um, you know, they just chomp, 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 chomp. So as you get further into, into summer, uh, you know, around February, January, February, you have to be on the watch out for, uh, for uh, grasshoppers attacking your fatinias. All right, a little earlier on, we, you were talking about uh, the chocos and the, the myth that uh, some apple pies were choco-filled instead of apple-filled. Diane from Curry, you uh, would like to add a little bit more to that today? Yes, I would. I grew up knowing this as a fact, and I've done it myself. I've halved uh, choco and half apple, and the choco seems to take on the flavour of the apple. I think the choco is a bit like the eggplant, isn't it? It just soaks up the flavour uh, yeah. of whatever it's with. Do you have to add some extra uh, sugar and other good bits, though, to um, increase yeah. the flavour? Yeah, a little bit more sugar. Yeah. But, yeah, not too much. I always thought, and I guess it probably came from a you know a time when you know society wasn't as affluent as it is now, where you know you'd use that cheaper uh, you know sort of easily sourced vegetable to try and uh, pack something out and and soak up the taste of whatever it was with. So, yeah, that's thank, right. Yeah, thank you for exactly. that, Diane. Thank you. Okay, appreciate it very much. All right, so there you go, Diane. Actually, uh, you know, encouraging this almost, uh, and like you said, Scotty, these are one of those veggies that take up the flavour of the other gear around them. Yeah, absolutely, and the eggplant is another wonderful thing. I've always struggled growing the eggplant, though, uh, so if anyone's had much success with it, always love to hear from them about growing the eggplants and tips with that. I, always, uh, I couldn't get them to egg. Right, just yeah. plant. <laughs> I could only get them to plant and not the egg there's, part. There's plenty of them over in Emoji Land, but that might be another discussion maybe. Yeah, I don't know they soak up the, the taste of uh, you know the nice tomato juices. We're flying through the hour. Not much time left, so if anybody does want to call... Uh, what it suggests now is probably the time to do it. Jump on the phone. Yep, more than merrier. We'll do sort of a, a speed dating type thing where we just, you know, you have to do, give us the uh, the question really quickly and I'll give you the answer really quickly. Yep, and just for plants and not people. The yeah, speed that, dating. that's all we're doing. All right. Look, we're sticking with the choker. And isn't it funny sometimes one particular plant becomes, uh, it galvanizes everybody and it's the focus yes. of the hour. It's a, like a t- touch point, isn't it? You know, where it just everyone goes... And, it seems to be today, and for this week, it is the Choco. G'day, Cheryl at Malabrula. Uh, you want to add something to that? Yeah, hi. I've just been in and out, and Gather, you're talking about Chocos, and I have known about the Chocos still for the apple, but I just think they're an amazing vegetable, and uh, like Scotty's saying, takes on everything you put it with, and I've had a glass of Chocos this year, and I decided to make some tummy, so I've been using choco and whatever else, carrot or olive flour, and doing that, and, and just by the time you put all your lovely Indian spices and red pets and that, it looks beautiful, actually, sort of lovely mustard colour with flashes of red and it's uh, oh, and nothing and nothing. yeah I'm sorry Cheryl we're just losing you there the, the connection was, 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 uh, wasn't was great but I did pick up on her main point though Scotty that it is as you said before just one of those things that just soaks up all the flavours around it's a bit of a 
you know, it does that. Yeah, now I think Cheryl was more or less saying that it wasn't just the, uh, you know, the apple pie substitute. It was, mm. uh, you know, taking in chilli and other sort of uh, flavours. Kev Kellaway will be rolling in his grave hearing about how popular the Choco is. Well, he, he's still alive, so oh, I mean, I... that might not be the, the correct... <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> yeah. All right, look, uh, we're going to have you taken off the air if you keep doing that. Oh, look. Well, Kev, Kev will. He'll be in here soon enough. Um, 49216216 again. Time for just a couple more as we head to Cameron Park. Michelle, Lily Pillies are on the agenda for you today. Yes, hi, Scott. Hi, Michelle. How can we help you? Yes, Scott, I've got uh, two Lily Pillies that would be roughly about 20 years old. And since the drought, they've steadily gone downhill to a point of where they're pretty well dead now. Okay, and look, they must have been fairly big plants, I should imagine. Oh, yeah, they're they're basically trees, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Look, they can get bore in them, and and even though it's, uh, you know, not necessarily the the drought's uh, fault, uh, it could be stressing out the plant, you know, the bark starts to crack, uh, and then you get borers and other insects getting in there and doing a lot of damage. Have you noticed any sawdust or anything, you know, around the trunk of the plants? No, I haven't, but I know probably about eight, nine months ago, it looked like something was chewing on all the leaves. Yes, look, they do get a little uh, a beetle that comes out, a little lily-pilly beetle, and makes does a lot of damage to them, but they should be able to, you know, resurrect themselves from that. What I might be doing, is if, there are, if they are, you know, quite large plants, getting an arborist out there and just getting the arborist to start to, to give the plant a bit of a prune back, um, because as I was discussing a couple of weeks ago, my backyard uh, absolutely hammered the plants back down to the fence height, and they will reshoot, uh, you know, have really brand new, fresh um, you know, new leaves, any borer or anything, insects will be gone because of just the heavy pruning. So it might be worth getting someone out uh, to check out yours, Michelle, and just see if, you know, a bit of a prune back uh, won't uh, help the tree at all. Yeah, yeah, well, we can try because at the moment they look disgusting and I've noticed <laughs> that two-thirds of the tree is actually dead. Yeah, so look, that that might be the way to go. Get it a, a really good heavy uh, prune back. I, I can assure you, uh, you know, they will just shoot back up uh, right from the base again and they'll give you another, you know, nice thick screen. Uh, that's exactly what I've done. Uh, I, I know my neighbours are a little bit unhappy with me at the moment because uh, they can see in uh, and me parading around in the morning. Uh, but uh, after a couple of months, they won't be able to uh, see that uh, fantastic sight. Okay, then we'll give that a go. Thanks, Scott. Oh, thanks, Michelle. All right. Now, what, I'm, now, now, thoughts in there now. That's the problem. Yeah, so look, the, I, was, I was casting the bait there for you, Mark, and yeah. I, I wanted you to ask the question, but uh, don't. No, I, I will not. All right, look, 49216216, uh, we're sort of running out of time, and we've got a couple of calls coming through, Scotty. So, look, this, we're, we're kind of, it's almost like uh, gardening bingo at the moment. We've just got to see what the topic is. You're not going to have a chance to pre-prepare on this. It'll just come up on the screen and then bang. So are you ready for it? That's oh, it's just going to stray from the tip of my tongue. Here we go. All right. G'day, Joe at Charlestown. Uh, there's a clover. Uh, well, well, you've got clover on your mind today. Yeah, I heard that Scott was going to talk about um, clover and I just wondered if what he uses or what you, Scott, spray it with. I've tried a couple of different things and I just can't seem to get rid of it. Yeah, look, you have to use the the bindine and clover killers, uh, but now's a good time to do it before it... 
before it really goes crazy uh, all through your lawn. Uh, look, the main thing is to leave lots of foliage on there. So don't mow the lawn and then go decide to spray. You really have to let the lawn and the foliage you know, build up and then go yeah. out and give it a really good spray. You can put a little bit of uh, wetting agent or just a touch of detergent in there as well. It makes the uh, the water and the spray a little bit sticky because you notice with clover it just sort of beads off the leaf. So if you put a yeah. touch of detergent in there, helps it... Uh, you know, stick to the leaf of the plant. You need about five to six days of, you know, nice uh, sunlight. You don't want it to be raining after that. And yeah. then uh, after that, you'll, it'll be absorbed into the plant. The sun will start to burn it away. And uh, you after about two weeks, that's when you could probably go and mow then once you see those leaves really starting to curl up and die back down. But it's most important that you, uh, you leave the foliage there for uh, the, the chemical to actually soak into and kill the plant. Thanks very much, Joe. With about 30 seconds to go, Scotty, Warren at Charlestown. Warren, yeah, you want to wrap us up on the choco today? Well, I do indeed. Uh, anybody who's substituting choco for apples is not a very good uh, economist because <laughs> chocos are currently selling for $11.50 per kilo. Yes. And apples are around $3 a kilo. <laughs> and... The only vegetable I could find dearer than a choco was the Brussels sprouts, which were $13.50. Yes, and that's because I think they're just a little bit more difficult to grow. How can that be, the, the choco that uh, you know you can virtually grow anywhere as quickly as anything is what, four times more expensive than the poor old apple, which is you know almost site-specific and quite difficult uh, to look after? <laughs> yeah, the best I've seen chocos this year is $7.50. Yeah, look, that that's sort of a bit like oh, I've got a diesel car, and I I believe you know virtually diesel's a byproduct of creating petrol, and I pay more for my diesel than <laughs> than I do for my petrol. So okay, thank you very much. Maybe one day I'll be able to fuel the uh, the car with the choco. Uh, quite possibly. Well, it's back to the future sort of stuff there, really, isn't it? It you is. We yeah. had all the stuff out of the garbage bin. It was Mister Fusion? Yes, Mister Fusion. That's right. <laughs> well, Scotty, that does bring us to the end of another gardening talkback. So as always, thank you for your insight, uh, whether it be into the window. For- in the window or uh, down at the snow, mate. We'll look forward to another gardening tour back next next uh, Monday, same time. Yeah, we'll do it then. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com. <laughs>